Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Talking Tigs. I'm your host, Scott Gerard, joined as always by my co-host Tommy Johnson and Daniel Zollinger. Got a great show for you today. Uh, we're going to go over that great LSU win over Florida. They beat the Gators 42 to 28. Uh, we'll get into some other games from around the country that were just uh, you know noticeable or could have some impact on uh, SEC or LSU. And we'll get into some lanyap as we usually do. Uh, but before we get started, just wanted to suggest to those of you listening, if you're not already following us on Twitter, please do so at Talkin Tigs. And we're also the Talking Tigs podcast on Facebook. And you can also find us on iTunes and Spotify as well. Uh, but before we get going, I just wanted to check in with the co-host and uh, see how you guys are doing. Doing great. You know, uh, what can I say? As, uh, as uh, some of our friends from, uh, from Florida might say, you know, it's great to be an LSU Tiger. Yeah. So, um, you know, we, we gator chomped all over them. We, uh, we saw some crying Florida fans. We, uh, the stadium was, I, I mean, that's as packed and as loud as I think I've ever seen it. And it was just an all-around great day. Yeah, I had an amazing time. Tommy and I had a long day. We started up. Six in the morning at College Game Day on TV, holding the podcast sign up. I hope some of y'all saw it on TV. If not, check out on social media. We'll be posting a few highlights. I was there, finally completing my promise, buying my Joe Burrow jersey. I was standing there in it. And, yeah, we had a great time seeing Corso put that Tiger head on. And then the football team came through to fulfill his prediction in a, a great game. Super tight at first, but then we took the victory at the end, and then, as Tommy said, the stadium was just rocking, everybody having an amazing time, and, yeah, easily the best game of the season so far and the best one in a while, probably since the Georgia game at home last year. So hopefully we can continue to keep up this amazing momentum. Yeah, hopefully. I, I think they will. Uh, and just to, to add something, Tommy, to what you said, uh, another rendition of that could be it's great to be a Gator hater. Uh, <laughs> we, we say that. That could be the, uh, you know, the one that the – SEC as a whole can use, but uh, both work well. Um, Before we get into this win, I wanted to uh, get a perspective from you guys because you were actually, not only were you at the game, but you were also at game day. So I I wanted to see what that was like and, you know, just kind of talk about, you know, how that went, how it started, when you got there, and, you know, just kind of what you experienced. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, you know, college game day, it's, uh, if if, if any of y'all, have uh, have never been and it comes you know it comes to your city wherever that might be you know I highly suggest going just for the experience even if you don't have a you know a sign or anything like that it's real fun um, <clears throat> I went I went last year for the Bama game by myself and so I kind of knew going in you know how the setup would be on LSU campus so they set up in the quad um, kind of uh, I guess backing up to gosh what is that it's not Coates. Um, anyways, I forget, I forget exactly which, uh, which hall it is, but anyways, they, so they set up in the quad and, um, it's a little bit smaller than, than you think, you know, from seeing it on TV, it's a little bit smaller of an area. Would you agree, Daniel? Yeah, I would say so. They keep you pretty compacted and like funneled into a area, probably 20 yards by 30 yards behind the, the stage. So last year when I went for the Bama game, I didn't have a sign or anything, so I just wanted to be there. So I didn't I, – I tried to wake up early, and I just couldn't do it. And uh, So I ended up I, – I, you know, set my alarm, woke up, was so tired, went back to sleep, and then got there around 7, so an hour before they started. 
And I had a decent spot. I was able to be, you know, I could, I could see everything, and I think I got on camera a few times. Um, and, but, uh, but nothing, you know, nothing great for the Bama game. But what that, that did was that, uh, you know, I got that experience of, of learning kind of the ins and outs of how they set it up. So we uh, planned to get there right at 6. And we got there, I mean, I think we accomplished it. I think we got there at like 6.05. So um, now what I didn't expect and I think Daniel didn't expect it either. I mean, it was our, it was double the amount. Of, like when I got there at seven last year, it was probably as packed as it was at six this year. So definitely, you know, everybody was was even more hyped for this game than they were for the Bama game last year. At least it seemed like that as far as numbers go. Um, the pit where so they do it two ways. You can you can stand. They, they section off a pit, which is kind of where what you see um, directly behind Corso and, and company. That um, you have to kind of go through a line, and they wand you with a metal detector and, uh, and stuff, and so you can go in there. And then you can also surround that gate where they have like a metal gate set up. You can surround that, and that's where we ended up. And I, I think, Daniel, I think we couldn't have gotten really a better spot, um, especially for our signs. We had the... We had big signs. I hope y'all saw them. We had the Joker sign. So if you if you, you might not have recognized or you might not have known that was us, but if you saw a Joe Burrow Joker sign, um, that was us. And so we got as about as close to the pit as possible without going in the pit, and that allowed us to keep our signs on these big wooden sticks um, because they actually don't let you have like signs on sticks inside, so you don't like hit somebody with it. Uh, so all in all, you know, we got on multiple times from the, uh, the overhead cam. We got on behind Coach O. I've got some great screenshots and pictures, and a lot of people were tweeting them out, of, you know, hey, I see you or stuff like that. So um, a great experience, you know, definitely more fun than, than game day last year was. Um, successful. I'm glad we got on the podcast. I mean, got the podcast stuff on there. And, uh, and finally, we got to meet one of our, one of our listeners randomly, uh, give a shout-out to Jonathan. He's a history student at LSU. Uh, he's a junior, about to finish up his degree, I guess, next year. And, uh, yeah, he, he recognized the sign. He kept looking at us and then was like, hey, man, uh, are you all the podcast? And we were like, yeah, yeah, that's us. And so he was like, yeah, I listen all the time. Like, you know, keep it up. So it was really cool to meet one of our listeners. And, you know, Jonathan, if you're out there, you know, shout out to you. Thanks for listening. And, uh, you know, if, if anybody else saw us, you know, I, I hope you all had as good a time as we did. Yeah, that's a great summary of it. Everybody was just having a great time. All, there was 10 million signs out there, some pretty funny ones. Uh, I won't, there was one sign, I don't know if you all heard about the controversy, where it was a, kind of a cutout of Felipe Franks pretty much, and then his knee was like on a pinwheel where you could kind of spin it around, shout, uh, <laughs> referencing his, his ACL injury. So some uh, people were a little bit upset about that one. But, uh, yeah, we had a great time. We're standing there for probably five hours, so you get a little bit tired, but the energy kind of keeps you going. And like Tommy said, we were pretty much in a prime position. Like, you could see everything that was going on. We weren't right behind the camera, but we had plenty of shots. So we'll definitely be posting those pictures and look for us next time if they come back around in town. Yeah, I mean, like, I, again, I don't think we – I think that for, for our purposes and for our sign, the way that our sign was set up with the, with the you know, the sticks, we couldn't have really had a better spot. I mean, we were, we were right there. Um, and, you know, we got on multiple times, so – you know, I hope, hope you all enjoyed it if you saw any of our signs. And, uh, you know, yeah, it was great. And also, uh, Scott, did you, did you get a chance to watch? Game day? Yeah. 
Uh, a little bit. Um, I, I had to leave about halfway through, so I, I could only see bits and pieces of it. Did you Did you have a favorite sign? You know, did you see one that really stuck out, Dana? Or Dana, <laughs> did you see one? Uh, yeah, there's one. I, I'll I'll describe it as cleanly as I can. I I mean, I, I love the the Joe Burrow. I didn't see anything like that. The Joker, um, and of course, the Talking Tigs podcast just looked like the nicest, cleanest sign out there. And there were many signs. Uh, yeah, but, there, there uh, were a lot of my, great signs. Yeah, uh, my favorite. I don't. I think it was. I don't know if it made it because it was. It was kind of like the one you're talking about. I, I don't know if it made it on air, but it made it to social media. And someone had like a big print up of Dan Mullen's head, you know, with the visor, yeah, um, like a big fat head. And they had the mouth cut out. And, and then he had a, a corn dog. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say he was just putting the corn dog in and out very rapidly. Yeah. Um, I just a, I, I just kept laughing way to out hear loud the corn at that. Dog, but so. to each his own. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it was just it looked like a, a great, but. It, Going back to what you said about the signs and you could only have a small stick. Now, I, I saw where you guys were on one of the freeze frames that someone took and, and posted on Twitter. But uh, it looked like there are other people around you with, you know, like long PVC pipe. And the, uh, yeah. you know, the OG, like if you go to a game day, you'll see the Washington State flag. They are the OG yeah. of game day. Uh, so props to them. But, like, they always have it. It looks like a, a 10 or 12-foot piece of PVC pipe. So... How, how do they get those in there? So what you can't see on TV, but what, you, what, you be, what becomes like very apparent when you get to game day is um, there are those like metal partitions, you know, like little, little gates yeah. that, they, that they basically separate. And you can't see it because everyone who isn't inside of the pit um, basically just crowds that gate. And so it looks like everyone is in the same just, – just, everyone's just piled in. But there's a there's security and there's and there are these metal gates and basically like if you have a stick outside of the metal gate you're fine. So all those big signs with the PDC pipes and the Washington State flags and there were two Clemson flags there, they're all technically outside of the pit. But if you want to get your sign, you know, directly above Kirk Herbstreet's head or something like that, you're going to have to hold it up with your hands. Okay. So tips for anybody listening who you know might be going to game day. Um, of course, every, I think every college will probably have a different setup as far as uh, you know, the, the actual location of everything. But there, I think that there will always be a section right close that has no sticks, and you've you know, you got to hold it with your hands. And then there will always be – and then they'll partition that side off. So if you, you, know, you kind of want to strategize about is it more important to have a big sign with a big stick that can, you can hold up real high – and get it on TV whenever you want, or is it you know more important to get there as early as possible and walk in and hold it with your arms? Me and Daniel, right. not the tallest guys in the world, so we needed to to utilize uh, you know the the benefit of a stick. Had to put that extendo <laughs> on them. But uh, yeah, and then one last thing is if you're going to day, game day, expect to have signs right in front of your face where you can't see that well. And if you have a sign, don't be ashamed of putting it in somebody else's face because that's oh, just yeah. how it works. I mean, look, like we were, me and Dana were shameless. Uh, there were some, uh, there were some boomers sitting around us, and they were complaining. This was, this was, this was horrible. And if you're a listener, I'm sorry, but I, I just think that you know, if you're going to come to game day, be prepared to stand for four hours because there are these two people who were close to us. And they brought lawn chairs, and they sat for the entire thing, like the entire time. And they were, trying to, they, were, they were as close as possible. And that's fine. If you want to come and sit and enjoy the atmosphere, then great. Have a good time. 
and you were there first, so I'm not complaining about where you were. But don't start screaming when people put their signs up. And that, that's exactly what happened. These people kept, uh, kept yelling anytime we put their sign up, you know, put your sign down because they couldn't see. Well, you know, that's the name of the game. Yeah, that's it's not a movie theater. Game. It's not like you have a, a right to get a full, amazing viewing experience the whole time. It's part of the experience is the signs. Yeah, the signs is 90% of being a fan at game day. And so, you know, like there was this one time when, when Coach O came down the tunnel, uh, you know, people were trying to get their signs autographed by Coach O, which I think is, a, you know, it's a fine thing. Like, you know, more power to you. And these, these people wanted to take pictures of Coach O, and so they started screaming at this person, take your sign down, I'm trying to see Coach O. It was terrible. So, you know, I would say uh, the loser of game day was that couple, winner of game day, everyone with a sign. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, I mean, they obviously didn't know what they were getting into. Probably some, uh, you know, perimeter fans just, just unaware, but... Glad I didn't ruin your experience. Oh, no. uh, and it, yeah, definitely isn't gonna gonna change anything. But uh, uh, I'm excited to get into this game because there's a lot to cover. Uh, overall, uh, I mean, I think the offense is exactly you know what what they've been showing, and uh, I, I think we can rely on that. That's uh, it, it was what we've been seeing. Uh, you know, defense. We can get into that, but. Um, uh, I think overall it's just a, a great win because it's a second win over a top ten team. Um, what happens after this, it doesn't matter because, you know, the, the rest of the country saw them as a top ten team when LSU played them. And uh, it just looked like a great atmosphere. You know, that's what you think of when you hear about Death Valley Tiger Stadium at night. And yes. I, I think towards the end, you know, it kind of helped with that. You guys could probably speak more on that, but um, I thought overall it was, a, you know, it was a great game. Uh, you know, there were times where it looked, you know, like uh, it just, LSU just wasn't going to separate, but um, I think we can talk about that when we get into the, to the defensive side of things. But, uh, you know, what, 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 what say you guys overall? Um, not, not much to complain about, right? Yeah. I mean, I think overall, Daniel said it, you said it when we were walking out of the stadium you know, this is our this is our first you know complete win against a against a a top a top team, and I think we we uh, talked about the Utah State game as being a complete win. Is that right? I think I think that's right. Yeah. Um. Yeah, because the you know the defense kind of showed up, and and I uh, and I know we had trouble at the beginning. I think you got to give some credit to Florida. They played you know they played pretty well, especially in that first half offensively. So. You know, there, there were some complaints, and we probably missed some missed some uh, some key plays. You know, on defense, on the defense side of the ball, and we'll get into that when we go into defense. But um, overall, I don't think you can ask for much more. I mean, I've said I sound like a I sound like a broken record after every game. I'm like, I don't think we can ask for much more, but I think it's true. And uh, yeah, I think I think also, you know, there there are, there are typically three phases of the game: offense, defense, and special teams. But uh, I think last night there were four phases in uh, adding in you know, Death Valley Tiger Stadium and just the fans because especially in that, towards the end of the third quarter and that for that entire fourth quarter, there were there were more than 11, 11 Tigers on the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Just being in the stadium, the atmosphere was insane. Everybody was on their feet pretty much in the entire fourth quarter. And, yeah, at the end when it was pretty clear how it was going to end up when LSU scored the last touchdown and then kind of stopped Florida – on that fourth and goal, then everybody just started gator chomping, and then 
the the swag surf, if you don't know what it is, it's just this rap song that Florida kind of adopted as one of their anthems. They, they do a little dance with it, and then the whole student section was swag surfing at the end just to kind of rub salt in the wound. But, yeah, the team played amazing, and Joe Burrow, the maestro, orchestrated the offense again as usual. Defense uh, kind of got roughed up a little bit early and then held stoutly, which is great. And, yeah, it was the best game day in a while. Yeah, um, and as far as Joe Burrow, you know the the score looks good because it was this was a not only was it a top ten team, but Florida was regarded as you know probably one of if not the best defenses in the country. I think statistically they were first in a, a few categories, uh, including takeaways. And uh, I don't think LSU had any. Or they, I mean they didn't give it away at all. So yeah. they the off the numbers look good, but it was different. Joe Burrow had good numbers, but it was different. He was just more efficient. I mean, 21 of 24, 293, three touchdowns. Uh, I mean, that's that's insane. I think he had 10 straight completions at one point, and um, I was excited because Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was running all over the place. He, he, had, over, he had over 100 yards, two TDs. He had a long of 57. Uh, Tyron Davis-Price had a nice run. Oh my God, that was uh, that was fun to watch. Um, see him get his uh, his first long run, and uh, just as a team, they rushed for over 200 against Florida. You know, they hadn't let anyone rush for more than I think uh, it was less than 100 yards. I think up until now, but that, that was just great that they spread it around that much, and just how efficient it was. Uh, which is one thing that I've talked about. I think we've talked about is you know, further down the road, they're going to need somewhat of a running game. Um, but tonight or, or last night, they uh, they showed it that they could do that. I don't know if they were saving it for Florida or if it was something that they saw that they could do, because uh, you know I think Florida just expected them to pass most of the time, uh, and they opened it up with runs. So, amen. For yeah, that. I think it was definitely it was the most balanced performance we've seen from this offense, um, and I you know agree, especially as we get into this you know more home stretch of the season that uh, you know we we're not going to be able to be a an air raid te- you know team against every um against every defense we play and you know they they seem to be giving us the run and you know we took advantage of it which is very which is very important and and it was a great thing that we have the backs to um to be able to do that uh you know we we talked about it earlier in the season you know LSU's this traditional running team and are we get, can we run against anybody is it going to be ha- you know is it going to be able to happen and we proved last night that we can against like you said so a defense that had been touted as uh as you know one of the top defenses in the country and uh so i, I don't you know again like great great performance on the on the uh on the run side Again, another efficient and incredible performance from Joe Burrow, and uh, and yeah, I think I think that's all you can really say. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Clyde got his work in. 13 carries for 134 and two uh, touchdowns, including that that big 57-yard run that he broke off early in the game. That's really kind of what ignited the crowd and got everybody pumped up. And then. Yeah, as you said, the the Vaughn said Florida defense, they were without a couple of their stars, Jonathan Grenard and uh, Zuniga, I think only played like half the game on the D-line, so they were two of their best edge rushers, but LSU held stout. I wanted to shout out the offensive line, who had easily their best performance out of the whole year, both pass and run blocking. They didn't give up a single sack, 
which yep. I think they gave up like four or five against Utah State. And so to, to improve that much against Florida is amazing and something that you're definitely going to need against the, the pass rush of Bama and beyond. And then one other kind of weird thing was the receiving. Like Joe Burrow has tended to spread the ball out a little bit over the course of the season. But this yesterday, only four people caught passes. Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson kind of went off. Each had over 120 yards and a touchdown. And then Thaddeus Moss and Stephen Sullivan caught like a couple passes each. But So they're pretty focused. But as long as C.J. Henderson and the Florida secondary couldn't handle them, that's fine. You just keep feeding the beast. And Joe knew where to put the ball. And they were, uh, as you said, efficient. LSU only had the ball for, I think, i got to look it up real quick, yeah, 20 minutes, and Florida had it for 40 minutes, and yet we scored 42 to their 28. So that's just how you can see we score quick, we score often, and that's all you really need from your offense. True, and I think all you really need from your defense is a stop every now and then. I think we're used to a stout LSU defense and, you know, the offense just scoring enough to win. Now it's, I think the defense has to stop them just enough for the offense to get ahead by a touchdown or two. And that's what happened because, uh, you know, for the whole first half, every time LSU scored, Florida scored. And, uh, you know, every time – I think all of Florida's drives were 75-yard touchdown drives because, you know, the, the touchbacks. Uh, but they drove down the whole field. Um, they didn't, you know, uh, move quickly like LSU did, but they just kind of did it slowly and methodically. And you started to wonder – is this going to be one of those games where it just comes down to one play at the end? Uh, luckily, it didn't. You know, it just it seemed like though, because there were points in the game where you know Grant Delpit almost had an interception, and uh, someone else almost had an interception from a tip, and uh, there was that one interception that was called back because of a what I would think would be a, a BS low hit call um, on Kyle Trask. Because if you look at the replay. He was right about his like mid thigh or hip even, and you know they said it was a a low blow or a low low hit, but you know that took away an interception. But I think yeah, LSU was close. They just didn't quite get there until the second half. Then they made uh, you know a couple stops, uh, the turnover on downs, the Stingley interception, which was amazing by the way, and um, I, I think that's what. Uh, we can hope for down the road. I think LSU's defense in the middle of the field got eaten up. Um, there's one, I think, the first touchdown after halftime. You know, it, it it's like they only threw four passes, and they're all to the same guy, and Derek Stingley was covering him. So yeah. it looked like they were challenging him, and it was working. But um, after that, they, they clamped down. I think Florida's next four drives, they – you know, they had to kick it or they lost it on downs or uh, a turnover. So LSU's defense stepped up. I know we're probably weary that Florida scored so much, but, you know, it's it's a Dan Mullen team. You know, it's uh, they're going to score. So um, oh, let's start with you, Daniel. How did you, how did you think the defense performed, at least up to, you know, what would have been our expectations coming in? Yeah, like we said, it was a little bit of an up-and-down night. Started with the down and ended with the up. They – did get a little bit exposed, like you said, early in the game when Florida seemed to be marching a little bit at will. After we would score, we'd give them the ball back, and then they would just roll on, and then they would score. And then they finally kind of made some adjustments at halftime. Maybe Kosho and Dave Aranza were looking into what they had seen and adjusted the schemes a little bit, and it seemed to work. Uh, 
like you, you mentioned that one drive when they targeted Derek Stingley, I think Van Jefferson ran like two comeback routes for about two 15 yeah. yard gains, literally yeah. the exact same play twice. And then I think they tried to get, get it a third time in a row. And so he was looking a little bit lost there, but like you said, he came up with a huge play, uh, uh, interception in the end zone to deny Florida what would have been, I think, a tying touchdown. And yeah. so that was like shifted the whole momentum at the end. And then we got a, a couple sacks, not a huge pressure, but uh, yeah, Caleb on chase on played great. He came up with some big tackles. And also uh, shout out to Grant Delpit, who we had criticized a little bit earlier in the season for maybe not quite living up to his uh, standards, and he had a really good game too. Had one interception, like you said, that was like taken away, but he came up with a lot of big stops, a lot of big tackles, and so they were there at the end when he needed them. Also, uh, shout out to Marcel Brooks, freshman safety, yes. who had a big sack oh uh, to gosh. force a, a fourth down punt, and so that's yeah, you see that from a freshman safety filling in there, and then you can't wait to see him more going forward. I'm sure Tommy has more to say on that. Yeah, well, how about it, Tommy? Yeah, so, I mean, I think it's, it's definitely apparent that um, after halftime, Aranda and co. made, made a lot of, uh, you know, adjustments. You could see it, um, you could see it there, you know, on between second and third down and then third and fourth, uh, especially when, when Florida started, uh, started going for it on fourth down, kind of down to the wire, that uh, there were, like, huge personnel changes. You know, they would take out uh, Shelvin and, and Lawrence and uh, Logan – and then put him back in and put him in and take him out. And, it, you know, it, it worked and it, um, it worked and then it, then it didn't. So they kind of went back and forth, but they were, they were at least changing that look up a lot, which I don't think we've seen that, that degree of personnel changes as much. And then we also saw um, an interesting thing, you know, towards the third quarter, and I actually I think I liked this move. They started putting, um, putting uh, Stingley as almost a free safety type. Um, where he would he would kind of move up to the top of the top of the secondary, and then they would line up Grant Delpit and uh, and uh, Fulton, uh, you know, man to man or press coverage on um, these receivers on the Florida receivers, and I think that was good because it kind of took a little bit of pressure off of off of Stingley, um, and that and I think that formation actually is what ended up leading to his uh, his interception, so. Uh, yeah, I, I think that the, the adjustments were definitely, um, you know, the key to getting those key stops. We had like three or four key stops that, you know, changed the momentum of the game and allowed the offense to, to really, you know, put the boot on the neck of, of the Gators. And, uh, again, back to, back to like what Daniel said about Marcel Brooks, um, you know, adding him in as a, uh, you know, kind of as a, I guess they kind of put him in as a strong safety type, but – he was he he kind of provided that uh, that coverage in the middle as a, and that athleticism of the safety, but he was that he was also a threat of um of rushing and it proved to be true with his uh, with his key sack. So I, I like that uh, that adjustment as well. With with a team as as athletic as Florida, you definitely need um you know you definitely need some athletes in the middle who can who can pick up and and cover. And so I'm a I'm, I'm pleased with I'm pleased with the performance in the second half, and I think that that uh, that that performance you know as we continue on, you might look for those uh, those type of, of looks and formations against uh, you know the the Bamas and the Auburns and the other uh, and the other great teams will will take on as we uh, 
as we move on. Yeah, but, uh, as we move on. But Daniel, uh, you, you said something kind of interesting in the uh, in the during the game, and I was I was wondering if you wanted to, to uh, let us let us know about that. Yeah, so like not to kind of dwell on them targeting Stingley, but just the way the game kind of flowed is a little bit of a situation where it's like sting me once, shame on you; sting me twice, shame on me; sting me thrice. INT, and so Florida wasn't quite ready for that. <laughs> the big uh, interception in the end zone, so that was just something I came up with, but moving on. Well said. You are, no, no, you, you should definitely uh, copyright that right now. Or put it on a shirt. Put it on your next game day sign. Yeah, I mean, if, if, if LeBron can attempt to, co- uh, to uh, copyright Taco Tuesday, I think Daniel can copyright that. Sure, exactly. I have a long thing for a shirt. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the mentioning of Marcel Brooks, I, I, I remember seeing him, I think it was the last game, and I'm like, who is this guy? And then there was another guy, Jay Ward. Uh, I think he only had one tackle, but he, he, was, he was out there. He was all over the place. So I, I'm glad to see these young guys getting it. And I thought Tyler Shelvin had a, had a good game. I mean, maybe not stats-wise. I think he, had, he did have one tackle for a loss, but he was just disruptive. And, I, you know, that's what LSU's going to need. They're going to... You know, you're going to need someone to be able to get to the quarterback because I think that's what's been the issue. And uh, I think at halftime they'd ask Coach O, or right when they came out in the second half, they asked Coach O about it. He said, yeah, well, we kind of need to uh, get to him on first down. They, they realized that they were passing on first down, and that's why they're, they kept having the success. So uh, that first drive, I think that's why they went four times to uh, – Stingley side because he was all alone. It was just a you know a comeback route, and it's hard to defend. Um, and everyone else was playing back, and LSU was rushing six, so that's that's what was open. Uh, but after that, it clamped down. Um, and I think going forward, that's that's kind of all they're going to need. That's I think that's all we're going to really need, you know. Um, and and the the other thing to keep in mind is that. You know, with a with the with an offense performing as as well as we did yesterday, yeah. and the defense playing especially the way that they did in the second half, we can hang with anybody. We can play with any team, and you know, win or lose, we're going to be in the game. And compare, you know, when you when you and I know everyone after this game, we've kind of we're all, I think a lot of people are looking towards that uh, that November nine matchup against Alabama, and. I, I just think that if, if I'm going to make one prediction, it's not going to be like it was last year. You know, I, I don't know, win or lose, I'm not going to say we're going to win by 20. I'm not going to say we're going to lose by 20. But we will be in the game. and We will we, score I, at least once. We'll, yeah, we're going to score. We're going to, our defense will be able to make some stops. And, I mean, I, I'd be eager to see how LSU will perform against, against really a beaten-up Alabama defense with no, uh, you know, no starting linebacker talent, really. And you know, some I've watched Alabama play, having some some issues in the secondary. So I, I'm really eager to see uh, see how Joe Burrow and and uh, Joe Brady and Ensminger, you know, attack that that kind of uh, I would say down year for an Alabama defense. Definitely. Well, I would say this: uh, Texas A&M scored 28 on them yesterday. Uh, for, you know, count that for what that's worth. But, yeah, I mean, they are susceptible. And I would say the same is true for the offense. Uh, Tua threw his first pick yesterday. Um, you know, that's only one in, I think, 100 and something attempts. But I think 160 this year. But uh, still, that, that's, that's all else you need. If, there's, if it's like this game yesterday where it's just we're trading touchdowns, just that one stop. 
it'll be on the road. It'll be difficult, but uh, if that's all, if they can get that, then that gives them the chance that I don't think they had before. Because, like you said earlier, the, the offense uh, we can rely on now. Um, I don't know that anyone's going to stop LSU from scoring at all. That that just seems uh, exceedingly impossible, <laughs> uh, considering what they've done so far, especially you know against Florida. But um, you know that's. That's what it's going to come down to is that that game against Alabama, I don't think it's going to be as bad against Auburn. Uh, but then after that, it's just keeping the pace because it is a grind, you know, all these SEC games coming up. Um, and then, you know, could be potentially a, an SEC championship game. But I don't know. Uh, looking around the league, uh, especially with Georgia, with what happened to them yesterday with South Carolina, uh, you know, they're definitely susceptible. They they didn't look good. They have that loss, and it's not a good loss at all. Um, yeah, it's really a terrible loss. Yeah, yeah, and it's not good for the, just anyone because you would think they would be, be the ones to come out of the East, but now I think Florida Florida could probably take them. And, uh, I don't know, maybe Florida ends up in Atlanta in December. But uh, did you guys get a chance to check out any other games? Yeah, we, we watched that South Carolina game. Um, uh, yeah. We watched... Uh, what other games did we watched? Daniel? Oh, we watched that. We watched about of ha- uh, like almost th- almost three quarters of the Alabama game. The Red River rivalry, Oklahoma. We wa- yeah, we Texas. watched OU Texas. Yeah. Um, so, I say you know on that on that Georgia game, uh, I, I you know I tweeted it out and I, I kind of meant, meant it more as a joke, but you know I almost I, Kirby Smart is is he kind of a letdown? You know they've made it to the playoff and and uh, you would or would not? I would not. You would. I mean, the thing is that they've made it to the playoff and done well, and obviously Jake Fromm's great, uh, DeAndre Swift's great, but uh, you know, I, I, I jokingly tweeted out that uh, that Mark Richt, you know, you know they, uh, that Georgia was better with Mark Richt, but yeah. you can't, you know, as a as a perennial playoff contender like like we always expect Georgia to be, you can't lose to Flo- you can't lose to South Carolina in in Stanford Stadium. No, not at all. Uh, they, you know, they got exposed because of the, their offense. Uh, I was talking with Daniel about this. I don't think they had a touchdown play of longer than, I think, ten yards, and that's uh, that's what came to haunt them. They, I don't know, they just didn't seem to have a, an explosive offense. Um, and South Carolina was able to take advantage. I thought Florida would, would have been the one, but uh, South Carolina did it first because they were ready. Um, yeah, and I think the other thing, the important thing that that I that. It, it seemed to me was I really I really respected the way that the South Carolina played loose, fast and loose, and you know they had nothing to lose going into going into Georgia, and uh, and they just you know they tried everything, and Georgia I think consistently and there's a uh, there's a really good YouTube account called Top Billing uh, by uh, Murph uh, Murph Baldwin I think anyways he's a he's a YouTuber he makes you know, breakdowns of uh, game film and stuff. And, you know, he talks about how he, he's real high on Jake Fromm, but that Kirby Smart and the Georgia, uh, the, and the Georgia coaching staff just really won't unleash him and let him, you know, throw down the field and, and make all these, you know, these explosive plays, kind of like you mentioned. And we saw that really cost Georgia a game that they clearly should have won. They're, they're a better team by all, um, by all margins, but you know that kind of dink and dunk, hand it off offense. When it gets stopped, or when you th- when you're Jake Fromm and you throw three interceptions, um, it's really hard to recover from that. 
Yeah, and then with that Georgia loss, LSU has boosted up to number two in the AP poll, just to mention that. Potentially, if they, both teams go undefeated, setting up a potential one-versus-two matchup in Tuscaloosa when LSU goes to play Alabama, which would be pretty insane. Kind of reminds me of that uh, game of the century from, was it 2011? But a uh, fateful game. Right. So looking across at the other teams, right now Clemson, so we're halfway through the season, Clemson and Oklahoma are both looking pretty good. Clemson bounced back from that rough, bare squeak by win against North Carolina. So you have to kind of, at this point, think that Clemson and Oklahoma may win out because neither of their schedules are looking particularly frightening after Oklahoma finished up their biggest challenge against Texas this week. So if they go through undefeated, you got to think they're in the playoff. And then probably one team from the SEC and one team from the Big Ten. The Big Ten looking kind of surprisingly good with Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Penn State all in the top seven. Obviously, they're going to eat each other up a little bit because they have to play each other, but most likely one team will come out of there. So it makes you a little bit scared um, considering we still have Alabama on the schedule, and if only one SEC spot is open, you like have to win the SEC championship just about. Obviously, we'll see how things kind of shuffle up here in the next few weeks. Maybe some more teams take unexpected losses like Georgia did, but uh, that's kind of what I'm thinking at this point. There's been a fair amount of attrition, but I think the top teams really are at the top, and it's just going to take some craziness to knock somebody off. Yeah, uh, I mean, but it's I think it's possible. I mean, no one would have thought that North Carolina would have taken Clemson to the line. So I, I know if North Carolina had won that game, everything would be completely different, and then the SEC yeah. would have an easy path to two teams, and Clemson would have been exposed for the pretenders that they may or may not be. But that that was just it's crazy that they they won yeah. that game. But, but they they still could they still could get exposed. Um, you know, there's there's probably some teams left on their schedule that could pull a you know what North Carolina almost did. Um, I thought the uh, OU Texas game was a little telling. I mean, uh, Texas, it, it, it looked similar to their game with us. Um, it looked like, uh, you know, kind of like, it looked like LSU, you know, pretty much had the game in control. It looked like they were going to win. Texas kind of came back and made it close. Same with Oklahoma. I, I think Oklahoma was in control the whole game. But, um, you know, Texas came back and, uh, you know, they only lost by a touchdown. But, uh, that just shows that you know Oklahoma is not invincible either. Neither is Jalen Hurts. Uh, he had a, I think he had a couple turnovers. So, um, I, I think uh, LSU's defense later on down the the line, that's where they can come in once they've, you know, maybe they're all healthy and they got all the kinks worked out, uh, and it'll they'll come up in one of these games because they're going to need it, you know, especially against Alabama. Luckily, we have that bye beforehand. But um, yeah, I think the you know the. I think after the top five teams, uh, whoever they are, though, but I think they're all pretty much even. Uh, I, I don't know. I think Clemson's probably the weakest. That's probably the fool's gold out of everybody, but uh, everyone else seems to be like LSU, Alabama, uh, Oklahoma, Ohio State. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Ohio State, Wisconsin, we'll see. Usually, in, in the past, it's always been Ohio State that comes out on top, but you know, maybe this is Wisconsin here. We'll see. Um well, I mean, we're looking ahead. Do you, uh, you guys, uh, you, you want to talk about this Mississippi State game coming up, or do you have any more thoughts on the, uh, you know, the college landscape in general? Well, I guess one thing I would add is that, um, you know, Ohio State's playing. They play Wisconsin, uh, Penn State, both at home, and then they play at Michigan. And I, uh, I mean, Penn State's been playing great. Wisconsin's been playing great, and Michigan always seems to give Ohio State a game. 
Now, I, I don't know if that's going to happen this year with how disappointing the, the fighting Harbaugh's have been. But, uh, you know, I think as we've seen in the past, uh, you know, i.e. Ohio State-Purdue last year, um, they, they always, you know, they, it seems like they've always got a chance to cough one up. So I would watch out for those. Um, as far as Oklahoma, when I look at their schedule, I don't see much that, that would give them fright. Uh, you know, Lincoln Riley has a very disciplined team that, that seems to take care of business and has, has done so for the past, you know, two years or three years. But as we, go, as we look at Clemson, you know, the other kind of per, uh, the other, uh, proverbial uh, playoff contender I would say that you know if you look at their schedule, everything looks pretty manageable, except for after after the way that South Carolina played last uh, last night or, or yesterday afternoon. Look for that uh, that November 30th game at South Carolina, big rivalry game. Uh, you know South Carolina playing with a little bit of uh, a little bit of attitude after knocking off a, a top four team. Maybe looking to do the same thing. I'm sure that uh, that South Carolina has that game you know circled on their schedule because other than uh, you know, I don't think they're playing for much more than uh, than bragging rights at this point. So, I think that's that's you know maybe the one the one game that might give Clemson a little bit of trouble, and they might be looking ahead after that week towards you know a, uh, towards an ACC championship that they would most likely be in. So, if we can get if we can get a little help from South Carolina, or maybe a little bit of help from uh, Penn State or or Wisconsin, um, or maybe even Michigan. That could really uh, clear the path and, and give us a little bit of a uh, give us a little bit of cover going into uh, playoff selection. Yeah. Uh, well, the, there's also uh, you know assuming Oklahoma wins out, but if Texas does also, they would play again in the Big Twelve championship. So. Um, yeah, that's one thing that that could work out well for us is yeah. if Oklahoma and Texas both went out and then Texas wins in the Big Twelve championship, then the committee has what some people call a little bit of recency bias, where the closer you lose to the playoff, the worse it is for you because, like, oh, this team just lost or, like, kind of on a downward trend. Like, a loss early in the season is way better than a loss at the end. So if Texas wins, Texas already has two losses to the community. like, oh, we don't want to put a two-loss Texas team in there. And, like, oh, no, Oklahoma just lost to a Texas team that has two losses. Then it's like, oh, we don't really want them either. And the Big 12 gets shut out completely. And so that could open the spot up for somebody else. Um... And then as far as LSU, if we went out, even if we do lose to Alabama but went out otherwise, we're not in a, a bad spot because obviously there's going to be some undefeated teams, but we'll have quality wins over Texas, Florida, Auburn, obviously, and then a loss to what you would think would be the number one team in the country, even, especially if we play them close. And then so we've got to be in that conversation like we've said on the, the program before. And obviously, I mean, if you went out, then you're in. But – that's not the, the worst place to be in, especially if some other teams eat each other up. And, and you know, and, and we've said it before as well. We said it at the beginning of the season before a single game had been played. It, it's arguable that the better, that the actually the better position going into the playoff is, a, is as a one-loss team that gets in and doesn't have to play an SEC championship game. So, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of avenues for us to, uh, for us to you know, reach, that, reach that pinnacle of college football performance. And uh, I mean, I think I speak for everyone on this podcast when I say uh, I'm just ready to I'm just ready to get to that point. <laughs> like, like, you know, let's 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 uh, let's win it this week against Mississippi State and uh, get to keep the train rolling on. And with that, do we want to preview this uh, this upcoming game real quick? 
Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Um, and I don't know if you you saw this, but the uh, the powers that be have flexed this game as far as the TV rights. It's going to be on the 3:30 game on CBS now. Uh, I was kind of up in the air. 3:30 Eastern, 2:30 Central. To yeah, clarify. correct. Uh, yeah, 3:30 Eastern. Uh, and I guess this is the most appealing game now that LSU is number two. Um, I mean, it's on the road against Mississippi State, three and three. They're not really, you know, the draw on this game. But I don't know if there's a better game. At least it's not another noon kickoff. I'm happy about that. Sure. Um, but uh, you know, Mississippi State, three and three. Uh, you know, they've got a. I don't know. They they've kind of kind of hit a little rocky spell after Dan Mullen left, but, I mean, still got some talent there, and uh, got a good quarterback, so uh, I don't think it's as much of a threat, but um, I don't know. Do you, do you think it's a trap game? Uh, I don't know if I'd call it a trap game, but uh, it's definitely, uh, you know, it's definitely, it's an SEC matchup, yeah. and... You don't want to. We don't want to take anything for granted in the SEC, as as Georgia saw yesterday. So, you know, I, I like the I like the two thirty kickoff. I think that's a good spot for us. Um, you know, I like I, I'll be I'll be pleased to hear uh, Brent Nessler and Gary Danielson on the call, and uh, I think it'll be a good a good afternoon for us in Starkville. I haven't seen too much out of Mississippi State that's uh, that's you know very concerning, um, and it, it should be a good tune up game as well. You know, more of a chance for Dave Aranda and uh, Insminger and Joe Brady to try out different different looks and different things uh, against against a you know even though Mississippi State like you said is three and three they're still they're still an SEC opponent they still got great they still got great talent and uh, I you know I'm eager to to see if we can uh, you know test some stuff out as we look as we uh, prepare for that uh, Armageddon game. Yeah, right. Mississippi State they're not the the cream of the crop in the SEC. But like you said, they're reasonable to okay, and so I think we'll we'll take care of business and win the game and move on. But yeah, it'll be a nice warm up before the the two big ones, Auburn, Alabama, back to back, and so that is uh, what we are really looking forward to. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll go in there. Joe will take care of business. I think the main thing is just want to kind of keep it clean, make sure nobody gets hurt, get your work in, and then uh, move on. So. Yeah, it'll be a good Saturday next week and kind of a, a little bit of a breather after the huge game date yesterday. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think their offense is going to be able to keep it close. So I, I'd say they probably – I don't know. I don't think they'll score more than 20 points. And I, I think LSU is going to run rough shot over them. Uh, so I, I think the score will be similar to the Vanderbilt game. Uh, I don't think they'll score 66, but let's just say uh, 56 to 21 Tigers. That'll be my predictions. Would uh, Would either of you like to toss out a prediction? All right, I'm thinking it's going to be somewhere else. He's going to score a little bit more, so maybe something like uh, 51 to 20, something like that. 51 20. Okay. That's you, obviously. Right. Right. Yeah, this isn't the uh, the Mississippi State of a, a few years ago. Um, um, you know, the, I, as I've as I've looked at it, their their uh, running back is supposed to be pretty good. Kylan Hill, I think his name is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Kylan Hill. And so I think that you know they'll probably rely on him, and try to run it a lot. Um, that'll be a good test for us as we're 
you know, tuning up to go against uh, Najee Harris, who's a you know great back for Alabama. Um, and as far as you know, score predictions or anything like like that, I'm not I'm not great at uh, at predicting score as far as you know numbers go. I do think though, uh, LSU will probably win by 17 or 21. Uh, you know, it, well I I don't think it's going to be a, a a you know 40 point blowout just because it seems to me that Mississippi State's going to try and milk the clock and uh, control the ball uh, and you know try to deprive LSU of some of these uh, efficient you know, quick, quick scores that we've been accustomed to. So I think we'll win handily, but it might not be uh, – and I, I tried to look up a line, a line for the game. They're not out yet. But, um, you know, I'd say probably, you know, LSU by 17 or 21. Okay. Seems reasonable. Uh, and then after that we'll have Auburn, uh, who I think had a – yeah, they had a bye this week. Uh, but they're going to play at Arkansas, who just looks horrible, by the way. Arkansas, ah, I, I don't know that. I think that Golden Boot game has kind of shifted over to to Florida or somebody else. Uh, it's that that rivalry's probably not going to be anything anytime soon. Uh, but uh, you would expect Auburn to win that one. Uh, so when they come to LSU uh, to Baton Rouge the following week, um, I don't know. I don't know if they'll be in, in the top ten again. You know, it depends what happens to everybody else, but. If that were the case, you know, assuming LSU takes care of business against Mississippi State and they play Auburn, uh, that would be three top ten wins before they get to Alabama. So, be kind of impressive if you think about it. Yeah, I mean, LSU right now, um, we have the most top ten wins in the country. Is I think that's correct. Yeah. Um, and we have, you know, we have two to, two to Alabama's none. So, uh, it kind of shows you how uh, Nick Saban – Using his uh, his you know precise uh, manipulation of the media has been able to keep. Uh, it, I, I think that if, if LSU or pretty much any other SEC team had played no uh, no top ten teams, basically barely any ranked teams, there'd be no chance that we'd be number one no matter what, even if we were undefeated. And but because of Nick Saban and and a no and a, uh, and some help from Paul Feinbaum and others, you know. That the perception of Alabama being the juggernaut that they are is uh, is elevated even more to where they can they can you know be number one in the nation with no top ten wins. So you know that's how it is. But that as we as we look towards playoff time, that you know the top ten wins that we rack up can only be um, can only be beneficial. So you know if Auburn comes in as a top ten team uh, two weeks from now, you know and we we take care of business that'll. That'll uh, only only help us. Yeah, yeah, some uh, definitely some good points there. Um, so I think uh, I think that'll pretty much do it for us. Uh, I pretty much said everything I wanted to say. Uh, do you guys have any uh, any final thoughts before we uh, before we head out? Um, one final thought that I'll give real quick, and me and Daniel talked about this going into the game, and I think it was confirmed. Uh, and we were sit- when we were sitting next to each other, I mentioned it. I think it was confirmed last night. Um, when the odds makers and the and the sharps look at uh, handicapping games, uh, you know, for uh, for betting, they'll generally say that uh, home field advantage is worth three points. So when you look at a game, when you look at a game and, and a home a home team is favored by three, you know, you can basically say that's a, that the that the sharps think that game is uh, is evenly matched. You know, I would I, I think that after yesterday and and consistently, 
I think Tiger Stadium is probably worth more like like more like six or seven because the atmosphere of that game, uh, the intensity, the the just the the loudness of of the fans, and the way that the way that it seems like everyone has has that collective consciousness of you know the chomp or the the different chants and the way that <laughs> the way that we'll go after go after their players, their team, their coach, their the refs, no matter what. Um, I, th- I think it's I think we proved last night as we all, as we typically do that Tiger Stadium is one of a kind. It's the best atmosphere in college football, and it may be the best atmosphere in sports. So, you know, hats off to hats off to the LSU fans there last night. I think that we, uh, you know, we we helped a little bit in that game, and I think the fa- the players would agree. So let's keep it up and uh, let's you know get it ready for uh, for that Auburn game. Exactly. They call it Death Valley for a reason where pundits strange come to die. And then, yeah, I just wanted to add one thing kind of on a podcast note. So I'll be trying to post some of the pictures and stuff of me in the Borough jersey on the Promise as well as our, our logo on the signs and whatnot on our social media accounts. So be sure to be checking those on Facebook, Talking Tigs, and Twitter at Talking Tigs in the next coming days for some content and share that with all your friends. Right on. Uh, definitely do that. And uh, the only thing I wanted to add, I, just a little side note, I don't, I don't think we mentioned it, but uh, in Florida's last uh, series, when they were trying to go for the touchdown at the goal line, they went for the option. And one thing, I don't know, they were doing this, like, pause, or a pause, like right after they hiked, they would pause and then run the play, which I, I saw it in there earlier in the game. I thought, you know, maybe they just bought them a second, but it did not make any sense at the goal line. And... LSU snuffed it out, stopped it, but I thought it was hilarious that Kalevon Chason, how he tackled him, because Kyle Trask was running down the line, he, he knew the option, he couldn't toss it, so uh, I don't know, maybe Chason thought he was going to do a little jump pass or try and toss it over him, but he jumped in the air and essentially on top of Kyle Trask, so instead of you know going through his body, he just jumped on him and brought him down. And uh, if, you, if you didn't see that specifically, go back and watch it because it, it looked kind of funny. Uh, it was just a great way to end the game, too. And um, having said that, uh, I think that'll just about do it for us on Talking Tigs. Uh, tune in next week. We'll have the uh, Mississippi State game for you and as well as any other news around college football. Um, but definitely uh, stay with us because we're going to keep delivering to you for the rest of the season here on Talking Tigs. And go Tigers.